This is Colby Pearson, wide receiver for the New York Guardians. Welcome to XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Are you ready for some more XFL? Welcome back to XFL Extra, the podcast brought to you by XFLboard.com. I'm your host, Mark Nelson, and this is our 24th episode. In this episode, you'll hear from two guests. First, we will go to the East Coast and speak to Colby Pearson, a talented wide receiver with the New York Guardians. We will talk to Colby about his first XFL game and what it was like to score a touchdown on national television. Then we will speak to Mike Ellison the XFLboard.com team reporter for the St. Louis Battlehawks. We will talk about last weekend's games, the on-field product, broadcast innovations that we saw, and the officiating. Then we will talk about the St. Louis Battlehawks' victory over the Dallas Renegades and analyze all of next week's games. Are you ready? That's right. We still have the same theme music. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Colby Pearson to the podcast. He's a wide receiver with the New York Guardians of the XFL. Welcome, Colby. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Now, Colby, I watched the Guardians game yesterday, and I saw you had a great game in the first game of your XFL career with two receptions for 44 yards and a touchdown. That must have felt good. Yeah, um, we were just happy to get out there first game of the year and, and come out with the W. I think um, execution-wise, offense, we have little things we can clean up, and uh, I think we're going to have a really productive offense. Yeah, your offense does look pretty powerful, and uh, it was I'm sure it's, it's a relief that you actually came out on, in the first game with a win. Yeah, yep. Wanted to set the tone kind of for uh, the rest of the season, you know, get the ball going in the right direction. Now, I saw you being interviewed on the sidelines after your touchdown. No, that's probably something new to you. Did you enjoy the attention on national media? Um, yeah, it's cool. It's a whole different spin, right? Because you're not used to that, especially right after kind of a play like that. So you got to try to hurry up and, and turn on your uh, interview mode, if you will, you know. And, and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool new aspect of the XFL, and I think it's kind of what the fans want to see. So Yeah, I think I think the fans love that kind of thing. Uh, as long as long as the players are are, are used to it, I think uh, the, I know the fans love it. Now your road to the XFL went through um, Brigham Young, didn't it? You you did you went to college at Brigham Young, played for the Cougars, right? Yep, yep, yep. And before that, you well, you grew up in Idaho, right? Blackfoot, Idaho. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in yep, Blackfoot, Idaho, uh, pretty close to Pocatello. Um, ended up going to BYU and. Uh, couple short stints in the NFL and then found my way over here. So it's been a crazy journey. Totally a journey. So from Blackfoot, Idaho to uh, Brigham Young, and then you signed with the Green Bay Packers as an undrafted free agent, but then you were waived shortly after. And then you went to the Falcons as well the next year, and then you were had a slight injury, and then you were had a, uh, waived again, weren't you? Unfortunately, I've been having this 
this battle with the injury bug. I had two injuries when I was in Green Bay and um, then got injured again in the preseason when I was at Atlanta. So I'm just, you know, my main goal here is just to uh, get some film and show that I can stay healthy, you know. Well, I wish you all the best of health, and I'm, I'm sure that's important for you to, in the XFL, for you to be healthy and show off your stuff as a receiver. Now, when did you begin to get interested in the XFL? Um, so my agent had brought it up to me, I think, when he had first heard, heard of it and uh, brought it up to me as a potential option, and I was all for it. You know, I, I felt like I had a lot more story to write uh, in my football career, and I had uh, a lot of stuff to prove to people, and so I was excited for the opportunity, and so I was able to go out, and I was invited to the uh, – Seattle showcase, XFL showcase, and um, New York uh, eventually picked me up in the draft. So, yeah, the New York Guardian selected you in the open phase of the draft in October. Uh, do you remember where you were when you got the call that you were drafted? And I actually, I actually think I was at my uh, my gym. Uh, I was actually just training because I was kind of that first day it came and I didn't get a call from them, so I was kind of bummed out and I was just like, man, I don't know what the next step is. So I was kind of just. Uh, just going back to the gym to, to train like normal, and I think that's when I got the call. To be honest with you, so it was a it was a bit of a surprise, or it was a good feeling. It was sure. a little bit, yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise because um, I had been talking to a few of the teams, though. So I was kind of waiting for, you know, I was just waiting to see who might do it, and uh, out of nowhere, New York called me, so I was happy. Yeah, so I'm sure it felt good to be drafted to New York. And uh, you joined the Guardians, went through the mini camp and the training camp. You got to meet the coaches. Uh, what kind of team is the New York Guardians? Man, I think uh, from what you saw yesterday, it's a tough, tough bunch. We got a, a lot of guys here with uh, chips on their shoulder and, and want to go and show the world what they can do on the field. And we got a gritty defense who uh, played a really complete game. Uh, all four quarters, they were tough. And then we got guys on the offensive side of the ball who are just waiting to explode. So um, I think as, as people saw yesterday, I think we're going to be a tough football team to beat. Now you play your next game in D.C. against the Defenders, uh, who won their uh, opening game as well. Uh, you're on next Saturday uh, in the Saturday afternoon game at 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Yes. A different opponent, different game, right? Yep, and I think, uh, I mean, from watching just their first game a little bit on TV, I think they're a tough team as well, and so we're going to have our hands full. So we have a good week of uh, preparation, which that actually starts today. We actually are going to do our film review here soon. Um, and then hit the practice field because we have a short, short preparation week. And so we know we're going to have our hands full and we got to get ready and, and hit it hard. So there's no rest for you this week. You're going to hit it hard and go to DC. <laughs> yeah. Because, just because if you don't get, I mean, playing on Sunday and then turn around and playing a Saturday game, you kind of just, I mean, you obviously lose a day um, of preparation. So everything kind of moves up a little bit, you know. So instead of having that uh, off day right away, we're just going to hit the ground running again. Right. And keep your mind on football. Exactly. Now, you noticed on the field and on the sidelines the XFL slogan, for the love of football. What does that mean for you? Man, I think I would just say a lot of the guys here, and kind of what you asked me earlier and what I, what I touched on a little bit, is that um, every guy here in the XFL kind of has his own story. And at some point, uh, things didn't work out for them. And so I think in order to kind of play in the startup league, everyone's had to kind of sacrifice and it really goes to show that the people who uh the players here really have a love for the game and they feel like they have untold stories out there on the field and so i think from a player's perspective it's that and then secondly i think that uh fans here and fans just want to see a good quality game of football and they love the game of football and so that's what this spring football league is designed to do is provide uh, viewers with 
some some quality football. Well, it certainly has succeeded. In fact, the the first weekend of XFL football has been highly regarded as being a good quality product. So I hope it stays that way for the sake of the fans and for the players. Now, the the rules, especially the rules of the XFL, some of the rule changes have they've been getting good reviews. So I mean, is yeah. that the same? Yeah. Is that the same in the locker room? Um, yeah. So w- when it was first introduced to us, of course, I think just because the new thing, we were all kind of like, "Wow, this is kind of strange and stuff." But now seeing it in live action and having practiced it this much, like I think the players are actually really, really liking it, you know, um, as far as specifically like in the kick return game, it's kind of more exciting. You know, we got a little more chance to return. And um, I think it's kind of what the fans want to see, like I said. So I think the, the XFL's vision of the rule changes and, and their reasonings behind it has been actually been executed to perfection. Yeah, it seems like it has been. So I think the league, uh, the league headquarters must be very happy with themselves and what they put out as a product because, uh, uh, they've done a good job. Now, I guess there's no rest for you because it's a short season. It's only a 10 week season and there's no bye weeks. So every week you're meeting a, a new opponent, so to speak. Are you ready for this challenge? Yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm excited. Um, I have, I have, my family's actually back home in Utah with the short season and stuff. And so, you know, I'm ready to get in and, and show what I can do and then and see what happens next. But so far, it's been a really positive experience. I had a lot of fun in the game yesterday, and um, I'm excited what this team is, is going to do. So, And your your family's back in Utah. They must have been watching that game pretty closely uh, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Got a lot of got a loving text and support from, from my close family and friends. So that was, that was really cool, and it's always really, you know, kind of helps helps you keep keep up, you know, when you, when you know you have that big support system back home cheering you on. So they're probably talking about hitting a game maybe in Seattle, are they? Oh yeah, yep, yep. There will be a couple of them, I think. That we're going to try to get out. They'll try to get out too, so. Well, that'll be fun for you to have your family in the in the stands. Uh it's always good. And it's uh, you know, I'd like to congratulate you on your touchdown again and the fact that you're able to fulfill your dream of playing pro football and the fact that you were drafted by the XFL. Uh, that must and it felt good to be drafted by a by a football team, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's always good to feel uh, wanted and valued. You know, within your program, and so that's just kind of the first step. But then the next step was the opportunity to be in mini camp and training camp and show what you can do. So then all you need is the opportunity, and then you got to take advantage of it. You know, so um, so far so good, I would say. Great. Now people can follow you online at uh, colbp04. Correct. I believe that's my Twitter handle, yeah. That's what I have. They follow you online there, uh, Colby P04, and we wish you all the best of health uh, in the field of football. We look for you, number three, on the same field this Saturday against the D.C. Defenders. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Colby. I'm here with Mike Ellison, the new XFLboard.com team reporter for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Mark. Great to be on today. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Now, this is your first time on our podcast, and I'd like to uh, uh, welcome you then as a first-time uh, podcast guest. Now, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this first question, but you were following the XFL games last weekend, weren't you? Yes, sir. I was I was watching all four games. Uh, missed a little bit of the first game, but uh, caught right up and filled in all the gaps. Now, which game did you enjoy the most? Which was your favorite? Uh, so covering the Battle Hawks, I might be a little partial to them, but I will say leading off that first game, kind of all the excitement around the Defenders versus Dragons, uh, a lot of build up to that moment. So to finally see the XFL underway, 
that was a really neat experience and seeing everything in culmination. Uh, as a former Ohio State student, I'm also impartial to uh, Cardale Jones, so it was nice to see him out there as well. Yeah, it was a really good game too, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it's always great to see really good competitive games uh, in any league, but especially for the XFL kicking off to showcase uh, the football with something uh, that was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I wonder wonder if uh, potential matchup had some scheduling implications or how they how they went about that. But uh, they they put a good one on the field, and almost almost every game produced a pretty good product. Yeah, you know, with a, a few months ago when they were talking about the schedule when it wasn't produced, there were, people were saying, well, they should lead off with something like the 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 Roughnecks, the Houston Roughnecks, and the Dallas Renegades, and of course that never happened. And then when the the initial, the first matchup was Seattle at DC. Some people kind of said, what? What is that? But it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. I know from a St. Louis perspective, an interesting one would have been uh, Wildcats Battlehawks since the Rams le- recently left uh, St. Louis for LA. Uh, that'll be a, a pretty heated rivalry uh, to, to come in the future. Yeah. It's, it certainly it'll be fun to watch that one as well. Now with the games this past weekend, uh, what did you think of the kickoff? And I, I don't think it threw off as many people as I thought it would. It, it seemed like a really good transition for for the game, and it didn't it didn't put in too many wild cards of unexpectedness. Uh, seeing seeing those players there, it's kind of like, all right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see you all there and uh, kick off. I think after you're seeing it for a, a time or two, you really got a, a good feel for it. So I, I thought it produced a, a good product uh, and. Uh, some some interesting action. I know. I think it was the Guardians game where their first kick they they had a pretty good return right off the bat, and that really amped up that stadium in New York. So I think that's that's the product they wanted, and that's the product they got. Yeah, that opening kickoff of the Guardians game just just lit up the stadium, didn't it? It sure did. I was expecting it would throw off some people. They would be going, "What?" You know, you'd be seeing it on Twitter or social media, saying, "What the heck is that?" But the broadcast crew did a good job explaining it in every game, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think both Fox and ESPN, uh, ABC as well, they did a phenomenal job covering the games, making sure fans were up to speed on those those new announcements and making sure kind of new fans and those those who hadn't seen the new rules before knew what was going on. Yeah, the broadcast crews did a really good job. And one of the things that they did a lot of was the sideline interviews. And I, I really liked them. I really like when they were, were getting the, the players and the coaches' opinions during the game. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, being, being right inside those, those team play calls, being right inside those conversations. Uh, I know in the, in the Battlehawks games, uh, there was a punt that, uh, a player from the Battlehawks pushed into the end zone that would have dropped at the one yard line, even the half yard line. And, I know Pat Maxey was up to him right after that and was like, hey, man, what what were you doing on that one? And so got to know right then and there, stop the speculation that he thought uh, the uh, Renegades player had muffed the punt, so he was trying to get on top of it. Yeah, I, I saw that. I thought that was interesting. And uh, I was thinking, well, this is going to be an awkward interview. And then uh, it came out, actually turned out okay, didn't it? Yeah, short and sweet. They didn't try to press him. Uh, a good in and out got his, got his take on the whole thing, put the – put the crowd into the game and to know what's going on. So I thought it was, it was a good dose. Yeah, for this earlier in this podcast, there's an interview with uh, Colby Pearson from the uh, New York guardians. And they did a sideline interview with him right after he scored his first touchdown. And I thought that was really cool just to see that young guy 
getting interviewed right after he did one of the biggest things in his professional football career. I thought that was really nice. Yeah, you really you really get some uh, intimate emotions from them. I know Defenders and Dragons had a little moment where uh, Curse Word got bleeped or didn't get bleeped out on the on the telecast. So I think it's kind of a, a nice insight to the to the raw passion that these players are playing with. Yeah, the raw passion was there because he dropped dropped an f bomb, and uh, I think what I noticed after that uh, incident, then they kind of laid off on the interviews for a while. I think they were uh, shy on on getting those out on on broadcast TV. Yeah, and I I think it's something that'll definitely have to be uh, fiddled with a little bit for those broadcasts because I think trying to trying to tell players they have to be careful in that in that state of the game is might be a little unfair to them. Oh, it'll never happen. There's no way players yeah. can hold their uh, Hold their f bombs away, especially when things are really uh, piled up and tight. Now, the other yeah. cool thing that I saw that they did in, in in I think they did it in all the games, but I I don't know if they did it in the first game. Was the broadcast booth interviewed the coach on the sidelines through the coach's headset? Yeah, they they popped right in there, shot him a couple questions. It reminds me of uh, if anybody's familiar with NASCAR races, right before uh, or during cautions, yeah. guys yeah. in the booth will page down to the guys in the car and get that driver insight. It's kind of cool to he- to hear what's going on in their minds and kind of their game plan going forward. So a really, a really good connection there. That's a big part of NASCAR broadcasting now is the, uh, is the in-car uh, microphone and the, the team uh, microphone or team communications that they have on the broadcast, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I think the MLB on Fox has been doing it lately, at least player interviews, mid game manager interviews. So uh, it's nice to see this in football. It's it's a new flavor, and I, I think it tastes pretty good so far. Yeah, I really like that. I really, really like that. Now, the other thing that we got to see and hear the communications of was the communications between the officials and the sky judge. Yeah, I think that, that ref communication between uh, the ref on field and the ref in the box was uh, probably one of my most favorite parts of of the additions, I think understanding what they're going through, uh, kind of those iterations of what they're trying to figure out in the play. You can learn a lot from that. And overall, with that culmination of being able to use the booth so so readily, they did a really nice job of getting plays correctly. I, I don't think I could think of a point in time where the refs just blew a call in the game. I think they, they took the time to get it right, and it didn't take a lot of time. And I think that's that's a really big takeaway for the league. The officiating in general was actually decent. There was really no, there's really no complaints from the fans uh, right now about anything that happened that I've heard. Uh, no, no huge complaints, anyways. But after an uh, after an NFL playoff game, especially a playoff game, there's always some call that has been blown or has perceived to have been blown, isn't there? Yeah, of, of late, especially dating past last year or two now, the team that comes to mind that's been thrown under the bus are the, the New Orleans Saints. And so hopefully that'll be preventable in the XFL and especially not an issue in the playoffs. Like you said, they're they're explaining the calls and so the fans are have to are being led to understand why the call the call was made the way it was made. So that's kinda of cool, isn't it? Yeah, it is for sure. And then I, I didn't get a chance to make it to a game, but I'm curious of if the experience in stadium uh, is any different with those uh, ref communications? You know, I think it is, but I would like to confirm that. Uh, but I believe, I believe some of those, a lot of those communications are coming over to the fans in house as well. But from what I noticed on some of the broadcasts and maybe all the broadcasts, 
the fans in-house seem to be having a great time in these games. I don't know what it was, but they seem to be having some partying was going on. Yeah, I, I think it's been a big focus of the league so far. It's it's about that fan experience, fan engagement, making sure uh, they're listened to and obviously making a good in-game experience is a big part of it, uh, in addition to having a good product on the field. And so, so far, so good week one. The uh, the stadiums all looked busy. That, play, that part played well on TV. Now, the attendance for all four games hovered around 17,000 for each game. D.C., 17,163. Houston, 17,815. New York, 17,634. Dallas, 17,206. If I didn't know better, I would say those numbers are made up, but I'm pretty sure they're not. Yeah, it's, it's a little coincidental that they're all hovering around that 17K mark, but each each crowd on TV looked uh, looks pretty similar in size, and I wouldn't be surprised with with the excitement that it's getting week one to see those numbers even jump week two. We're watching for that. We're watching to see those numbers jump or not. You know, the original XFL it started off really strong with attendance, and then it 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 slowly but surely tapered off. This XFL is looking to break that pattern. They want to stay strong and maybe get even stronger. I'm sure of it. I anticipate. I mean, from what I from what I've seen, uh, the the national media coverage, the sports guys uh, across the league. There's there's some good feedback going on and some excitement building. So I I hope to see those numbers jump week two and beyond. Were you a fan of the Alliance? Uh, I never really got into the Alliance. I caught parts of games, and I know they did have a cool feature online where they had each player chipped, and you could kind of watch them run around the field. Uh, it's the only only real memory I have of it. I watched most of the Alliance games, and, and from what I saw, the uh, broadcast product was nowhere near as polished as what I saw this past weekend with the XFL. And I think it's gonna that's gonna carry the XFL a long way towards getting viewership on on uh, on television. Now, the first XFL game drew 3.3 million viewers on ABC. And people have compared it to the Alliance's first game, which drew 2.9 million, so slightly higher than the Alliance. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to see the numbers a little higher. Uh, obviously, having a bigger gap would be would be nice and better telling for the league going forward. But I think a little bit of is a little bit of it is just getting that momentum behind it and getting that word out that this is a legitimate product. I think I think some fans and viewers might be going through league fatigue saying, okay, people keep trying to put out these leagues. I'm not going to buy into it because they keep folding. I've actually heard people tell me that they're not going to bother watching the XFL because in, until it succeeds because they're tired of watching leagues that fold. Yeah, I, I believe league fatigue is real, and I think it's, it's working against the XFL, but I think they're doing a lot to combat it. Yeah, they're doing all the right things to combat it, that's for sure. Now, earlier today online, I noticed that the story is that in L.A., Anthony Johnson, the, the player, was cut, and then Pepper Johnson, the coach, was fired. Now, I know you know about this because you posted something about Pepper Johnson in the XFL board forum. So what have you heard about this? Yeah, so uh, coming in from the, the Wildcats, it looks like Pepper Johnson, defensive coordinator, linebacks coach, uh, was let go. Saw that uh, during the head coach's post-game interview, uh, he was a little a little distraught. I know he, he's he expressed some uh, displeasure giving up 37 points to the Roughnecks. Uh, so uh, right now, it's just looking like a lot of a lot of displeasure, knowing that a product might be better than it was, and 
not going according to the head coach's game plan. So they're making moves early rather than uh, letting the scene get washed away. So no, no direct understanding if that's the exact reason, but uh, leaning towards looking like that. And it seems like the release of the linebacker and the firing of coach Johnson might be connected in some sorts, both, both on the defense. And so we'll, we'll see what that's like going forward and how the Wildcats can rebound. Now we don't know exactly what happened for sure in LA, but I guess we'll have to watch and find out when the, when the news comes out. And I, I know the XFL has not announced the coaching change yet. So hopefully they'll announce that soon, or I'm sure they will announce or hire, announce the hiring of a new coach soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what uh, unfolds on that Wildcats front, and hopefully they can rebound and uh, keep keep marching forward this season. Yeah, for sure. What was the key to the Battlehawks beating the Renegades uh, yesterday? Yeah, I think the Battlehawks put together a pretty balanced product week one that I was I was genuinely impressed with. I think what what kind of keeps them out of that top conversation. Uh, might be the final score, only scoring 15 points, two touchdowns, and a field goal for them. Uh, but what killed them yesterday were all of the penalties. But from a from a balanced approach uh, across the offense and defense was was pretty impressive. From the offensive side of things, uh, quarterback Jordan Tamu he put together a great performance, uh, hitting hitting his guys, not really overthrowing it, underthrowing it, got some depth on the ball. Tomu was really impressive on the day. Uh, he was hitting his guys left and right, being able to mix in the deep ball. Uh, not really surprising from his production that he had at Old Miss. So that was that was nice to see. And what really saved the Battlehawks on a couple plays was his ability to get outside the pocket and run for run for a first down when the team needed it. He had two big ones and ripped off a pretty pretty big run on one of their touchdown scoring drives. Elsie. Uh, a little surprised that it looked like Christine Michael was going to get this start at running back. That ended up flipping to Matt Jones, and uh, he did a great job running the ball. Uh, was was the feature back of the night, uh, carrying it 21 times. Uh, Michael got it for seven times, but actually didn't produce a yard and lost a yard on his one reception. So we'll see how he plays in the offense going forward. On the defensive side for the Battle Hawks, it was it was well balanced again. What they really benefited from was the lack of uh, big plays from the Renegades' offense. Uh, they had what they're considering a backup quarterback uh, in Philip Nelson starting for the Renegades, but they still went pass heavy uh, all game. He threw 42 times, uh, 33 completions, but uh, most of those were for short yardage that uh, the. Battlehawks were able to contain on second and third down. So uh, overall, well-rounded effort. Uh, and to end the night, uh, Will Hill got the first interception of the game and the only turnover of the game for the Battlehawks to seal the deal. Yeah, Jordan Tiamu uh, did, did decently, didn't he? It was like 20 for 27 with 183 yards and a touchdown. And then on the ground, he had a 77 yards. So he had a decent performance, didn't he? Yeah, and I, and I think... Compared to some other teams, he, he threw the ball uh, maybe the, the fewest times in the league. So uh, those numbers, if, if the Battle Hawks decide to balance it out a little more, uh, could really start to show off what Jordan Tamu has. Now the Battle Hawks go to Houston next week. Uh, what can we expect in that game? Yeah, I, I think that'll be a, a pretty big game. The highest scoring team 
uh, versus the underdog who pulled off uh, an upset week one in the Battle Hawks taking on the Roughnecks. So I think what was really key to the Roughnecks win was uh, winning that turnover battle. So they they had two interceptions on the day, uh, and that really helped propel their propel their offense, put them in good field position. So uh, being opportunistic uh, was was beneficial. Can St. Louis beat Houston? Well, from what from what we saw Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, I think St. Louis can definitely beat Houston uh, if they take care of the ball, which they did week one. Uh, and probably the the main difference maker is going to be cutting down on those penalties. They had uh, two drives where they were working and uh, really ended drives because of those penalties. And so uh, mistakes like that will be uh, certainly capitalized by a team that's coming out strong like the Roughnecks. Uh, looking forward to seeing how they can uh, how they can manage to pull this off. Now uh, let's go to talk about some other games. Uh, also on Sunday next week, uh, Dallas is at LA. Now is Dallas going to have his their quarterback Landry Jones will probably be back, right? Yeah, so it's it's looking like Landry Jones uh, will be back uh, for the Renegades, which should really help that offense. I know they're they're pitching this air raid offense that. Uh, I don't think Philip Nelson really played into as well. So uh, being able to see their offense at full force next week in L.A. could really show what the Dallas team has has in store. L.A. actually did very did pretty well this week, all things considered. So it might be a real matchup, those two, and with L.A. at home. They might actually match whatever Dallas can bring. Because Dallas strikes, strikes me they're struggling. Maybe Landry Jones is going to bring it, and they're going to, bring out the air raid offense, and how am I going to have to use two towels rather than one towel this week? Who knows? I'm looking forward to see it. Yeah, should be should be a, a good showing next week, and I think the, the big question surrounding that game will be that Wildcats defense and what, uh, what team morale is looking like, what kind of chemistry is working uh, right now. So some pretty good, some pretty big shakeups this week. We'll see if that carries over into the game next week. Well, you know, that's a very good point, actually. I'm glad you made that point uh, because, yeah, with the shakeups and with the uh, the problems with the organization in the locker room, uh, that could definitely put the put a kink in L.A.'s plans to win that game. Now, let's go back uh, to next weekend. Let's go to the first game because we've skipped over. The first game next weekend, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC. This is going to be a big one, New York at D.C., yeah, that, that should be a fun game to watch. You get two teams coming off week one victories, uh, both pretty close together. So I wonder if we'll see some uh, fan mixing in the stadium for the first time here. But uh, some some pretty high-powered offenses that look like they start to click. The Guardians behind Matt McGloin, and then obviously the defenders behind Cardale Jones. So both both teams came out strong week one, and that'll be an interesting matchup coming week two. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one, to see how this is going to work. Um, I think it's going to be a battle of the Titans in some ways, and to see who comes out on top. I always love to give the the edge to the home team, so I, I guess I would have to give it to DC for that respect. Now, the next game, uh, the fourth game of the week, is the second game on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Tampa Bay is going all the way to Seattle, and Seattle will have their first home game. How do you think this one will work? Yeah, so uh, aside from the long flight, I mean, the, the Vipers really showed off a, 
a high-powered offense week one, uh, one of the uh, best-producing offenses aside from the turnover. So uh, if, if the Vipers can reel in those turnovers, I think they they might have a, a good product to put on the field, but that's also if they if they get their quarterback situation figured out as well. Well, the Vipers couldn't. They were in the red zone four times in the last week's game, weren't they? They were, yes. And they couldn't get it in. They only got a field goal out of those four times in the red zone. Yeah, I know they they had a key uh, turnover in the red zone as well, which which really puts a puts a hamper on on a lot of things. So then, with the Vipers, with a little a uh, little more fine tuning, uh, a little bit of luck, and not getting a turnover as opposed to a, a touchdown they might be able to run over Seattle. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, I'd look, I'd look for it. If, if they're able to not turn it over, I think the, the Vipers might be uh, the lone road victor of the week. Well, we'll see if that happens. You know, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you that the Vipers will do it in Seattle. Plus I'm sure they've got something to prove right now. Mind you, Seattle is having their first home game. I'm sure they want to win that game. Yeah, I, I imagine that that stadium is going to be uh, pretty packed for what we've seen, and uh, there should be some energy in the building that will hopefully uh, give those Dragons what they need to get over the finish line. All right. Well, I look forward to watching the games next weekend, as I know you do as well. Uh, Mike, I'd like to thank you for coming out to the podcast today and, and joining me. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Mark, and feel free to give me a follow at Mike Things Up on Twitter. That's right. Uh, follow Mike at Mike Things Up on Twitter and look for his uh, articles on XFLboard.com. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thanks again to my guests, Colby Pearson and Mike Ellison. I hope you enjoyed today's interviews. You're welcome to come back next time where we will have more guests and more XFL. Until next time, this was your host, Mark Nelson. And I hope you enjoyed XFL Extra, the XFLboard.com podcast. Mm-hmm.